Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey and I am your host and joining hold on, me... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Davey, <laughs> Davey, do you yeah, know what today no. is? Uh... Well, today's podcast day. And it is a very special day. And do you know why? Tell me. I'm sure you're going to tell me. Today is our two-year birthday for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Birthday! And... So, but, okay, so we've been doing this for two years, and, and I have said the same thing every for two... And you just interrupted me. I know. And that's and because I think I am going to be the host today. And then oh, I'll have... You can you be are. my co-host. Okay. And then I'll yeah. have a special guest. Okay, I, well, I'm never inviting you to actually do podcasting in person ever again, <laughs> sabotaging this over here. For those of you guys who don't know, Mel is in the studio with us right now. It's true. And not we're not having to go across the airwaves to St. Louis to be able to record this. Yeah, And here so in the thanks flesh. so much. Yeah, okay, sure. Take it over. Okay. You can be the okay. host. Yeah. Well, as many of you know, for the last month or so, we took to social media and we wanted to inquire what questions you had for Davy and Christy. Mm. And I think it should be known that y'all are a bunch of nosy rosies and <laughs> you just want to know about their story. Nosy rosies. That's yes. <laughs> and it's okay. This is like for all of you that follow like people.com, like this is your hour. Okay. Oh, gosh. oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like celebrity gossip. So I just think it's, I think that's really, I think it's weird. Is what I think it is. No, I, just think I think it's, it's odd. I think people are so, you know, God has done amazing things through and in your lives and brought you together. Mm. And so I think we, it would, it would be a travesty if we did not start <laughs> off and tell these fine folks how y'all met. Tell us a little bit of your story, how you guys came to know each other. Nice. Well, I mean, we do already have Christy in the studio joining us. So, hey, Chris. Good How's it going? You. you have such a great, like, hey. I know. Time. I feel like every time I'm here, I'm like, oh, hey, guys. I'm uh, like, I need something new. I'm hey. sorry. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to hear our story? You want to hear how we met? Tell me that. about okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Do you, you want to start? Do you, you want, want me to go? To, okay. Well, well, I can. Yeah. Why don't actually, you start? Yeah. It'd yeah. Probably we'll a lot better because your point of view is pretty funny and just, <laughs> pretty I much like not the truth. I think my point of view is right. Like the right <laughs> point of view. <laughs> I've heard some of it and I'm just so excited to see the cohesive story <laughs> oh. together. I've heard bits from you and bits from him. Oh, he oh my interrupt gosh. at any time to say what you were feeling and thinking at the moments because it's pretty much very different. So <laughs> yeah. So when I was in PA school, my friends, um, one of my friends, her fiance actually owned the CrossFit gym that she would always go to. And another friend was going there as well. And so they kept on just like, hey, like peer pressure, come, come to CrossFit, come to CrossFit. I was like, I'd never want to go to CrossFit. Like those people are like meatheads and like, wait, hey, come on. <laughs> That's all they do. It's like a cult. I feel like, like that all they do is talk about CrossFit. And two, like I just, awesome. well, I didn't want to look like Serena Williams. I mean, she's great and all, but I just don't want muscles like that. I'm a female. I want to look a little feminine. So literally um, one day they're like, hey, just come in. So I decided to come in with them. And what was funny about it as I, as I walk in, Lo and behold, there's Davey right there, the first person I see, and he just <laughs> st- 
stares at me. And so, like, oh he thought gosh. it was pretty subtle. I was but, being very nonchalant. But I, like, I, re- had- I, as I recall, I was being very nonchalant. But what's funny about it, I mean, he was so rusty at that time oh, that, like, yeah, literally, that's, that's he had no idea. And so here I am. I had, like, different emotions going on. It first hit me, like, a huge wave, wave of, like, empathy. Like, wow, I know who this guy is because I actually knew him um, from his story of what happened mm-hmm. with Amanda. And my friends were actually pretty close with them. They were church planners as well. Mm-hmm. And they um, hung out with him a lot. And when um, everything happened with Amanda, they actually texted all of us in our small group to pray for them. So I've, yeah. I've been praying for his family since then. Well, and so, you actually had a, a friend who was on duty at the hospital. Yes. The night that we were there overnight at the hospital waiting on results. Yes. From, I mean, and she texted that whole group and and kind of told you guys what was going on with our family. So what a, I mean, what a small world exactly. to in that situation, which is kind of the... That's kind of the the nuance of our story. I feel like God just kept bringing us into these places where our stories intersected. Oh right? yeah, for Anyways. sure. And so, like seeing him, I like obviously felt this empathy. But then he's staring at me, and I'm like, dude, this guy's a pastor. He has no integrity. <laughs> he just like checks out every girl that walks in the gym. Uh, I nope, had no you, idea babe. that it was just, just me at that point. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna avoid him like the plague, which I did. I literally yes, you did. did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, well, the way I recall it going is I, <laughs> I remember seeing her walk in and she had this cute hat on, much like the hat you're wearing right now. And she looked adorable. And I looked over there and it was kind of one of the first times I really noticed um, another girl. Like I was like, wow, it kind of did the double take thing. And so I must have been pretty rusty because I did not hide the double take. Not apparently. at all. And you not looked at right all. at that moment I was double taking. And um, and I was just intrigued by her. And so I very nonchalantly kind of made my way over to a circle, a stretching circle that they were, she and some of the girls that were there. And that was pretty typical in CrossFit. You kind of stretch all mm-hmm. together in a circle. Yeah, or but kind people of didn't really right creep there. on into your friend circle, though, <laughs> while you're stretching. But it well, is what it is. Here's the so <laughs> Like, I, I have an image of creeping into it. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what, what happened. It might have looked like that. I didn't think it was appearing that way at all. But I, I had been uh, in a space at that time where I was beginning to go, okay, God, if you're going to ever bring me another wife, this is kind of like what I would ask you to bring. And so I made a list. Like, if you ever bring me another wife, if you ever bless me with that... Um, and, and, you know, the reality is, is I, I feel like I was, I'm much better married than I am single as most of us are, our, our, our wives, our spouses, they become a very sanctifying and a very, um, uh, honing, strengthening thing for us. And so, um, after losing Amanda, I, I just remember feeling like a half of myself and then God had to take me through an entire, you know, year process, a very entrenched healing process over that year of, helping me to become whole again and finding my personhood in, in him again. But I remember having this conversation with the Lord, wrote down, if you ever bring me another wife, I want you to bring me someone who um, loves you, Jesus, more than she loves me, who loves me, because that would be nice, <laughs> I would like that, and um, who loves Weston, because I knew that my son, um, he, needed a, he needed a mom, and not just somebody who'd come and be a stepmom, so to speak, that would love you know her own children more than she loved my son, but someone who would step in and, and, um, not replace Amanda, but pick up where Amanda left off. And, um, and so, uh, then I asked, would you also make sure that this person loves Amanda? Mm -hmm. Because I knew that that was very much a part of our calling or my calling. And then therefore anybody who's going to join me in that calling to, um, to carry out Amanda's legacy. So 
I, well, just really quickly, what's funny about the place he was in and the place I was in was totally opposite. Mm. I was actually in a place of, I just went with the Lord and said, okay, Lord, it's just going to be me and you. I'm a single mom. I don't want my daughter to sit here and just be like, okay, my mom's boyfriend, like, yeah. you know, just dating all these different guys. And so I just remember saying like, I'm not going to get married. Like, what do you say I'm supposed to do? And he says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm. And I just knew like at that moment, I felt like I... I probably would make not the right decisions. And so I said, for my daughter, I'm just going to do this. And the Lord will cover the rest. Like if I'm supposed to be married, if I'm supposed to be whatever, like God will provide for that, but he's going to have to make it like overly clear, like smack me in the face and be like, you have to marry this guy. So that was the point I was at. So when here I come in and he's <laughs> staring at me, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, God, what are you doing? Yeah. So, well, I may, I didn't, you know, I thought she was cute and I'm like, but I, don't, I have no idea if she loves Jesus or not. So I make my way over there, just kind of hear their conversation. I get down in the stretching circle and they're talking about a concert that they had just gone to, a Christian rap concert, KB specifically. And I was like, okay, well, she likes Christian rap. So they're... There's hope here. Maybe she's <laughs> maybe she's a believer. You know, like check that box. And um, so it was uh, it was one of those situations where we would kind of you know see each other coming in and out of the gym every once in a while. And I would try to go and talk to her or just say hi or you know be friendly or cordial. And she would avoid me like the plague. I mean, she would she would barely give me the time of day. She would like kind of look down at her her calluses on her hands from the CrossFit, you know, pull-ups and stuff and like Super picking attractive. her calluses yes, and just attractive. like, oh hey, how you doing? You know, and then just like walk off. And I'm going, okay, wow, this girl is ice cold. <laughs> I mean, I don't go to the gym to pick up guys. I go to the gym to get a workout oh, in. So, okay. I mean, you go. <laughs> Which is another reason why I was attracted to her. You know, <laughs> I was like, this girl's playing hard to get. This is awesome. So then uh, several weeks later, she began visiting the church that I was pastoring. And um, there were several folks from our CrossFit gym who, who had started visiting, who were attending. And um, so then I would see her walking in and out of our church, just kind of walking through the atrium, dropping her daughter off. And she just seemed different. I mean, there was something intriguing about her, um, partially because she was carrying an actual Bible in, you know? Um, uh, uh, it was like, I like big Bibles. Oh, my and I word. There it is. Can I, <laughs> there do it we, is. Can I say that? that <laughs> no, we're going so, <laughs> to keep on moving. <laughs> and, and, and she would sit in service and she would engage. Like she would mm. be taking notes and you could tell she was really... Um, you just could tell there was a depth there and a richness in her walk with the Lord. And I had no idea what her story was. I knew there was some kind of backstory because she was a single mom. And I wasn't honestly sure about that, that scene. That was very, um, not, I, I, maybe unnerving for me, just like, man, I'm not sure what kind of baggage she comes with. And yet I come with a ton of baggage too. And so I was a little bit just kind of careful and yet intrigued so much by her the more I would watch her. She walked in with such poise and and this like humble confidence, but I could tell she had walked through some kind of pain. And so I was, I, I just, there was something different about her that felt like, almost like felt like our souls connected before we even connected. Well, in and definitely ways. in that season too, um, since I was in PA school, I mean, they 
took over your life. And so I didn't have much time. And so for me, it was like, okay, God first, you know, my health second, and then my daughter, and then PA school. So PA school was fourth. I don't even know how you could fit in in that moment dating yeah. somebody or anything like that. And so I just had a one-track mind of this is like, we're going to get through PA school. Mm. And then maybe later on in life, like maybe something can happen. And so I was very set and I'm just going to serve in the church. And one thing I loved about our church was that the the mission that they had was very similar to the mission that my family had. And so how this came about is we were actually in the gym and I was actually leaving from the gym and Davey was there and um, he actually cornered me again for like, <laughs> very, I don't even know uh, how was, many times. It was very pastoral. I, I stopped her as she was walking out of the gym. I was like, hey, you've been coming to my church for a while. And I don't know your story. Like, how'd you meet Jesus? You know, that kind of a thing. Tips, Would you consider guys. that your first date? No, that was not our first date. No, that was like my first, like, got up the courage to actually ask her a, a deep question and see if I could engage her in conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about how things started moving forward. So at that moment, when I asked her that, um, she just starts to tell me her story. And and she, I now I know intentionally it was, she told me a lot of the ugly of her story. Mm. It was like, uh, you know, and you can speak to Chris why, why, you were doing that, but um, it was a very intentional thing to kind of drive me away. Um, yeah, probably in a lot of ways. And so she, but all I heard in that was that she had spent some time doing missions work and studying abroad after college. And I was like, oh, she's passionate about missions. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of put two and two. I'm like, okay, so that's why you're serving downtown in our inner city ministry. She had been serving there, which is was so intriguing to me because she was like this you know, really put together, we call it the Carmel mom, right? Really put together, walking through, you know, our church atrium in her heels. And then on a Saturday, she'd be out, you know, with dirty jeans and getting her hands dirty with gloves and stuff and serving in our inner city ministry. And so I was just so intrigued by her. That's why you're serving there. And she was like, well, yeah, because, you know, my family lives there. My my stepdad and my mom live in that neighborhood. And this neighborhood is no joke. Like they, across the street, someone was murdered and they just threw the body in the middle of the street. Like mm. My parents' car has been shot up. Their house has been firebombed. So this isn't like, uh, you know, oh, it's a high crime area. It's like, no, this is a really high crime area where my daughter's stroller was shot up in the yeah. back of my mom's car. And so yeah. um, so that's why he was like, why would they live there yeah, said, by choice? That's by, by choice they live there? And she, she goes, yeah, that's my stepdad's ministry, he feels like. For the past 17 years, he's lived there. And he's just ministering to the neighborhood. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, the reason we do that is because of uh, of our story and how Amanda was killed. We want to intercept kids and teenagers before they step into a life of crime and drug-related activity. And she was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with your story. And um, I'm actually probably more familiar with it than what you would, you would like to know. And I'm like, what, do you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? She said, well... Um, my stepdad is one of the chaplains for the Marion County prison system. And he has regular conversations with the guys who are on trial for killing Amanda. Now in that moment, and here's what you got to understand, Mel, like I was in the middle of that week of finishing up the manuscript for nothing is wasted for my book. So I was in the middle of seeing the God story in my story. You know, it was just over a year after everything had happened. I was writing this all down and I was in the throes of going, God, what are you doing out of this? And trying to write all that stuff uh, down and turn it into the publishers. And here she is, this girl that I've been intrigued with, dropping this information on me that her stepdad is having conversations, sharing the gospel 
with the guys who killed my wife. Wow. Now, if that's not a God moment right there, I'm like, I don't know what is. <laughs> and so I wish I could say something really spiritual came out of my mouth in that moment. All I could think to say was, do you want to go grab some dinner sometime? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she kind of resisted that for a little while. <laughs> Oh, for so. sure. Well, and I think the biggest thing too, like with it all is that like how he mentioned too, like I did try to prevent anything from happening. Mm. And so, I mean, just he would have some of his group of friends just invite me out and I would know what he was trying to do and I knew it was from him. And so I would just say, no, like, I don't know why he thinks he should ask me. I'm trying to tell him all the ugly about me. So he just stops being interested in me. And it seems like he still wants to come and talk to me. And so um, actually not even like about a month or a couple months later, um, I was sitting there and I was working out in the gym and, um, basically like I was going to take Natalia to Chick-fil-A that night for family night. And <laughs> at this point, you're just used to just being single mom. Like, you know, Natalia's out in the play thing. Everyone else has their husband or their wife with next to them and their other kids. And here I am by myself at a table while she's playing. And so you don't get lonely. You just get used to it. And so that night, for some reason, I remember saying, like, oh, I just wish that Davy and Weston could come and join me. Mind mm -hmm. you, like, at that point, I said no to so many different things. Like, it was shocking for me to feel that. And I was like, Christy, this must be, like, a lonely thing. Like, you can't do that. Like, and you can't lead him on. So don't ask him. Like, you're not going to ask him. So I just sat there and I prayed to the Lord as in the middle of a CrossFit workout. I'm like, <laughs> Lord, like, if this is your will, have him ask me. I'm not going to manipulate anything. I'm not going to control anything. I don't want to lead him on. He's gone through a lot. And so we finish up the workout. We're outside. I'm watching Natalia play and Weston's out there playing. And he was like, well, what are you up to tonight? And I said, well, I'm going to actually take Natalia to Chick-fil-A to a family line. He was like, well, actually, I was going to take Weston. Do you just want to go together? And I Which just went, I wait, wasn't I was going to say, can no. we interject <laughs> there? <clears throat> Tell no. the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that was complete. I was basically like, I'm going to in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to do whatever she was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should also point out that so many good things originate at Chick-fil-A. That oh. is so true. We're Christian chicken. Christian, yes. the anointed chicken. <laughs> the presence, the Shekinah glory. It brings you all down. together. Oh, man. And so that was odd for me. I mean, I went numb. I was like, Lord, you're doing something here, and I'm scared to know what you're doing. Mm. Because at this point, I already know thousands of women are praying for his future wife. I also know that thousands of people are praying for Weston's future mom. And I'm just sitting here wondering, like, why are you trying to pursue me? Like, why are you interested in me? And so we go to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And well, and up until that point, I had been very careful not to, like, I had put so many guardrails around my life not to even look like I was out in public with a woman. Just for, I mean, I didn't know, it, it felt like every, everywhere I went, I was getting stopped. People were saying, hey, I, you know, I know your story. I follow your blog or whatever it is. And so I was afraid of the perception of that, that if mm -hmm. I was, even if it was just with a friend or acquaintance or, acquaintance or something like that, that there would be rumors that would get started. It would just kind of, it would kind of taint our testimony. And so I was a little bit on the paranoid side of the spectrum there. And so we walk and I'm already going like, I'm not sure if I should be here with a, a, a girl. She takes Weston and Natalia to the back. I go to order Weston and I's food. And then we were going to kind of swap duties. And all of a sudden this family comes up and they're like, oh my gosh, we've been following your story and your blog. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm here with a girl. Oh my gosh, this is not going to be good. And to me, it was just like this, uh, it was kind of this like confirmation, like you should not be doing this right now. And, um, so anyways, we kind of, we take pictures and all of that and then they leave and finally we get our food and we sit down and Christy looks at me and she's like, Hey, I saw that. Is it awkward for you to be 
out with me right now. I was like, yeah, to be honest with you, it, it kind of is. Um, is it awkward for you? And when <laughs> she goes, she goes, um, maybe a little bit, but you know, I don't really consider this anything. I just consider you one of the moms. So, you know, you oh, got a friend now. You got a friend zone immediately. <laughs> so they're not thinking anything. <laughs> she totally friend zoned me. So fortunately I had a little bit of a quick wit, even though I was shocked by that. And she, and I said, Okay, well, uh, as long as you enjoy hanging out with one of the moms, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> You're like, as long as I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> well, and frankly, what happened in that mail is that it kind of alleviated some pressure. Mm. Because for me, it was like, I'm, I don't want to lead this girl on. I don't know what it's like to date. I'm struggling with this whole season of like, how do I, okay, is it time for me to date yet? I, I don't want to, I'm a pastor, somewhat of a public figure. I don't want to like pursue something if it's not serious, if it's not going to like go somewhere. And so it re- it relieved a lot of pressure there. And we were able to, I think in that conversation, just kind of let our hair down. Well, and the opposite too. It's like, I'm a pastor's kid, but like in another extreme, I was like the rebel pastor kid. I experienced a lot of church hurt, a lot of abuse. And so for me, I'm thinking, I do not want to be a pastor's wife. Like who would want that role? And yeah, so this for is sure. Not- that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and the, here's my pastor's wife friend over here. But I just knew that role would it came with and kind of like how I've been, my mom was treated. And so that was my ex- personal experience. Mm-hmm. I hadn't yeah. seen a great experience. And so I'm just thinking like, that is not something for me. I wish him the best. I want the best for him. But like in this season, maybe we can like help each other and, and whatever it needs to happen until he gets his future wife or whatever. <laughs> and so we actually shut like Chick-fil-A down. Yeah, like, we it was, like closed it down that night. <laughs> li- like the kids were exhausted coming back from the play place. Like, can we go home? We're like, not yet. Just go it's play like for five more minutes. <laughs> and the workers are like mopping around us. You know, can I? Because it's Chick Fil A, they're like, "Can I refill any of yours?" Is that? And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'll take a you refill." You like, I've had approximately five gallons of your lemonade, <laughs> but what's one more? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it was just a, it was a wonderful conversation. And I think for me, what I took away from that conversation and the thing that really connected us was, it was the first time I felt like somebody understood my pain. Hmm. And not that Chrissy had gone through the same thing I had gone through, but she she's gone through some really difficult hardship in her life. And so we immediately connected on that topic and we, and she would ask me questions that would, were very inferring questions. I'm like, man, how does she understand this? It felt very empathizing. And, um, we just connected. I feel like, and later I kind of wrote her this thing when I, when I proposed to her, but I feel like we took the broken pieces of our lives. We put them out on the table that night. And what we looked at when we saw these broken pieces is that they weren't broken pieces. They were puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. to this picture that God was beginning to form in our lives. Well, and for me, I just had bad experiences with Christian men. I just... I felt like a lot of them had like this trophy wife and this like checklist of a woman that they would want to pursue. And I knew at this point in my life that I did a lot of things that I wasn't proud of and that I didn't, um, I I wasn't able to be that for him. And so I'm thinking like, this guy doesn't know what he's getting himself into. So I was kind of offering some of those things up. So I'm like, here's your out, like get out, like as fast as you can, like you're not interested in me. But every time I would say anything, it's like as if he didn't hear. I'm like, is he not a Christian guy? Like Christian guys don't like this. Like stop, like stop pursuing me, stop being interested in me. And so at that point, we just, we knew we connected. There was something there and we started pursuing it. Yeah, we started dating under the table because we were conscientious about being out in public at this point. And there was one specific night I was over at Christy's apartment and she was 
there were multiple times that she tried to break up with me, like three or four times. This was one of those times, and mm-hmm. she decided, I'm just going to tell him everything that I've ever done in my past. And I'm just going to lay it out there to kind of, as like a scare tactic, and scare him away. And, um, I mean, you can speak to to that moment for you. Well, but. yeah, for me, I mean, I literally, I was talking to my counselor, trying to get advice about, I was talking to my friends and even just talking myself out of this relationship. That was a really great relationship. He was different than any man I've ever been with. Like he pursued Jesus with his whole heart. And it wasn't like the typical dating experience I had with different guys, because I mean, as sad as it sounds, they considered your child as baggage. And Natalia, for me, wasn't baggage. She's mm. like an added bonus. Like you get me plus another amazing like child mm. and a version of me. And so for me, I knew whoever I was going to date had to love Natalia like he, like she was their own. And so here I am coming this relationship with all my, not even Natalia wasn't my baggage, but my real baggage of all mm-hmm. my past and my shame and things that were done to me and things that I've actually done to allow um, some destruction in my life. And, and you know, it's funny because I was every time I would start like freaking out about it, I would read in scripture and God would just speak to me. And in Second Corinthians, I was talking about this guy named Paul, and he talks about the thorn in the flesh. And he was mm-hmm. begging God, please remove this thorn in my flesh three times. And we never actually know what his thorn in, in his flesh was. Um, but I felt like in the same way, my whole life I pray, like, God, take this thorn in my flesh away. Like, take this abuse I received away. Take, you know, heal me in all these aspects. And he never fully did. And and even Paul says, like, in my weakness, you know, God's glory is going to shine out of it. And I'm strong. But for me, I didn't like being weak. Weak was a power thing that was used against me. My, my dad, he always wanted to make sure that he was in control. He had a little power over me. And so for me, it was like, I, my weaknesses will be exposed if I'm with Davy, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to go ahead and just tell him tonight, um, basically all the past things I've done and what Christian guy would actually look at a woman and say, okay, you're beautiful. And there's grace for that. Even though in scripture, Jesus does say like your, your sins are forgiven. Like he doesn't even see him. Like it was mm-hmm. paid on the cross. Um, he doesn't even remember him. Like, I feel like when I go into heaven, if I still have that shame and I'm like, I'm sorry for all these things I've done, he's going to look at me and be like, what are you talking yeah, about? What things? He's mm. going to have no idea, but I carry them like a scarlet letter. I carry mm. them like a, kind of like a badge of honor. It's not even of honor, but a badge of shame, I guess. And so here I was just telling Davey, like just the worst parts, like, hey, I just want to let you know this, that, and the other. And I knew he was going to leave. Like I knew this was it so that I didn't have to break up with him. I didn't have to break his heart, that he would break up with me. He just looked at me and said, I don't know why, but like, I feel like, like I should feel differently, but, but I don't see you as different at all. And I actually like, I feel more engaged with you. And I feel more closer to you. And, and I just remember for the first time ever, I felt Jesus just say, Christy, like they're forgiven. Mm. Like everything you've ever done, like it's forgiven. And there's so much grace and I love you. And that's what everybody should have done to you in the first place and, and should have said to you in the first place. But instead you received so much worse mm. and you received so much condemnation, but that's not my condemnation. That's, that's the world's condemnation. Yeah. And so it just felt for once like, wow, God, like you love me and you cherish me. And now you're using this man. And the hardest part for me was I didn't need healed by any guy. So I mm. ran away from guys. Like, I needed Jesus to heal me. And I prayed that he would heal certain relationship wounds that I've received and certain dad wounds that I received. And literally here was Jesus using a man to help heal me. And I was angry. 
I was like, God, why would you do that? So again, after he says that, I start feeling like emotions for him and, and love towards him, but I'm angry. So I start pulling away more. Like I can't be with a guy that's going to help me heal because God can heal me. Mm. So why would you use the, the very thing that made me so jaded in the first place and so bitter and angry towards the world? Why would you use that again? Wow, Christy, that is so beautiful. I love your story and just mm. how the Lord wove your lives together. Um, I'd love to hear in that moment, what was it like for you to be fully known and fully loved by Davey? You know, it's funny because um, with the abuse, basically my whole life, you become so hard. Like you, I remember people used to say, I'm just ice cold. Like you're such an ice cold person. You don't, you don't have any emotions. You don't cry. And you learn to put on that, you know, persona. And so when I would see posts from girls that say, girl, you're enough. I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl's insecure. She's like, she has issues. And I'm like, of course she's enough. Why would she not be enough? But I realized honestly, like after my divorce, how insecure I was and how I actually didn't feel enough and how, um, that I didn't ever really actually feel loved and cherished by any man. And so I remember Jesus always saying like, you know, I do cherish you. Like there's a scripture he talks about, like this love story of how he really loves his people, the Israelites, and how he pursues them and he cherishes them. Yeah. And I remember just telling the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to feel this by a guy, but I want to feel this by you. So please. And I actually like would just say to, my, like, to myself and I would write it in my notebook, my journal, like Christy, like you are loved and cherished mm. by, by a God who is the King. And so, but you don't feel that. And that's what's so hard about that. And so here I am praying through that, like, Lord, I want to feel that. I want to feel that. And in that moment, I felt it with Davy. And again, it's a lot of emotions of like, but Lord, why did you use a guy to do that? Because yeah. you could do it yourself. Like, why did you use a guy? But it felt, it felt so amazing because here I am telling my child, I remember one day, you no, know, like this one kid was being mean to her. And she was like at night saying, oh, we talk about the peak in the pit. And she's like, mama, my pit was this kid was mean to me and didn't want to play with me. And I just was sitting here telling her her worth. I was like, do you realize how valuable you yeah. are? How worthy you are? Like your, your uh, dad is the king. Like yeah. he is the king. You are a princess and Jesus died for you. I mean, he loved you that much. You were that worthy. And here I am not feeling a single thing. I'm telling my, at that time, four-year-old child. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of that room just in tears, like, Christy, like, why in the world can you teach your daughter this, but you need to feel it yourself? Wow. And so with Davey doing that, I mean, and since then, like, he has always made it a point to just, like, pursue me and show me Jesus's love for me and cherish me. And the, I mean, people will see it like the way he even looks at me at first, like what's so funny about it is <laughs> I couldn't even make eye contact with him. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like you think about this abused dog in a humane society or whatever, that when you adopt them, they can't even make eye contact with you. The dog gets angry. It has this like defense mechanism. But in time, when you show that dog love and you're there for it, it actually can start looking at you in the face and it can like raise its head up. And, and that's how I was, as, as pathetic as that sounds and as vulnerable as it sounds like, I felt like every time he would make eye contact with me, I would just cower and sink mm. and just be so confused. It felt like he was like looking deeper within my soul. I'm like, you won't get that piece of me. And so now when people like see, like he just will just stare at me with this like look of like, he just cherishes me. I'm like, God, like that's how you feel for me. Mm. So I continually feel that. But also you're really, really ridiculously good looking. That's true. <laughs> <is very> true. <laughs> that's from my friend over there. That's all she's <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I tell her, and I think this is a, 
it has to be in this in the right context and to a safe person. But to you know any woman out there, anybody, um, vulnerability and transparency, I think, is the greatest strength. Mm. And when Christy got vulnerable with me in that moment, I didn't see her as weak. I didn't see her as discarded. I didn't see her as um, you know uh, like second rate or anything like that. I saw her as beautiful because she opened up a part of her soul to me. Mm. She opened up who she really was rather than this facade that she was kind of putting off. And you can kind of tell when someone's got like a, a calloused exterior and there's something going on there on the on the inside. And I saw the strength of her on the inside and I was like, man, and simultaneous to that, I was reading this book called Redeeming Love, which Christy suggested to me. She was like, hey, if you want to understand me, just read this book, Francine Rivers. And so, which I was a little bit embarrassed. I'd be like sitting on the beach or at the pool. (laughs) And this is the most girly cover there is, you know? So I'm like, it's like 18th century. (laughs) It's like super girl. And I'm making like, you know, I pretty almost thought about making a like book cover, you know, the (laughs) book covers you'd have back in the school, like out of the paper bags or so I'm reading this thing. And I just remember specifically the Lord speaking to me through that book, just whispering into my soul, Davey, I want to redeem your story, but I also want to use you to redeem someone else's story. Mm. And it was this this flip because up until that point, I was going, what are you going to do, God? Like your word says you're going you're gonna to pay back what the enemy stole from me. So, so how are you going to do that? And the Lord had to take, take the kind of this season of our dating and flip my perspective and going... Dave, this isn't about you. Mm. This is this is about like the bigger picture of what I'm doing here. And then, yes, I'm going to restore you, but I also want to use you to restore someone else. And and it really helped me to see that my role, and this is every husband's role, is to be the best version of Jesus to their their wife mm. possible, because Jesus is going to be their best husband. Right, so how do we be Jesus with flesh on and and pursue, as Ephesians five says, pursue and love like Jesus loves the church, and no matter what kind of blight, no matter what kind of sin, no matter what kind of past stain there is on the church, there's plenty of those throughout history. Jesus still pursues, he still loves, mm-hmm. and he says, "I don't remember your sin anymore when you repent, when you confess." Mm-hmm. And for us, man, how much how much more of our relationships would be enriched? If we took that posture that said, wait, what? What sin? I don't remember that anymore. Mm-hmm. Jesus forgets it, but man, we hang on to it so much. And so I just remember in that moment, it kind of all coming to a head and God going, this right here is the redemption of your story, is me using you to help redeem another story. And through that, you're going to redeem each other. Well, and I think the the thing with me though, yeah, I, I had a huge wall up and I was very... Um, uh, I didn't know. I didn't want to be vulnerable with you basically, but I think that there, there is a part where that is safe and that's smart because a lot of women, when we have the quote unquote daddy issues, we tend to run to men to fill that void for us. Like mm. we don't run to Jesus to fill that void. We run to men to get our identity and our image and our love and our value based on what that man has to offer us. And when he doesn't offer us fully what we need, cause we, no man can fully fill that. Like yeah. the Lord has to fill that. And, right. and so like, we run to that. And when they don't feel that for us, then we just like go to the next one or we think we're not enough. Like what's wrong with me? And so a lot of times we are vulnerable to not safe people. And so for me, I didn't know if Davey was safe. He had to prove himself to be safe. Mm. And what was funny was because 
And around August, we went to go visit Amanda's side of the family for a week. And we also went to go visit his side of the family for a week. And in his mind, he thought they were going to analyze me. And then he can see if like he wants to be with me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to analyze him (laughs) and see if I can be with him. And so at that time, like meeting everybody around him and seeing like, no, this Davy that's been in front of me, he hasn't been fake because a lot of guys can fake it for a certain amount of months. And then the true self comes out. And so sometimes we just rush so quickly. Our emotions go quicker than what really is healthy. And so Mm. we all think, well, our emotions are telling me I love this guy. So I'm just going to be fully open, whether it's um, sharing your heart or whether it's sharing your body with them physically. Mm. And so with Davy, I needed to know, can I share my heart with this guy and I still like even in Proverbs says above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life and I took hold of that verse and I was like (laughs) I will guard my heart no matter what because no one else will do it for me I don't have an earthly father here that's going to give me great wisdom to help me know and so I have relied on the Lord I literally prayed every day I felt like it was like the Israelites where you had the cloud by day Mm -hmm. and the fire at night I'm like Lord like I need you to tell me which way is up or down because I have no idea idea and my emotions are getting tied, but I need to guard my heart. I was so confused and I felt like he made it, he showed me step by step. And I think we can easily rely on our friends, but our friends don't really know um, what we're going through at that time. They, they're around the same like um, experience as us. We can ask someone older and wiser too, and that's even better, but like we need to ask our heavenly father. He has all the wisdom and he pointed me to his word and he would always uh, tell me exactly what I need to know when I needed to know it with Davey and what steps to go forward. And so we go and meet his family. And I mean, he was safe. I knew at that point, like, this is the man I need to marry and he's safe. But what did I do? You know, most women, we got back from that trip. Well, most women will be like, okay, this is it. I'm going to dive right yeah. in. And I'm going to open my heart. And, and instead I actually did the opposite. I went Pulled the away. other yeah. way. I ran away. My heart was just, and he was like, Christy, he looked at me and was like, you're pulling away from me. And I just looked at him and I said, I know, but I don't know what to do. And he, and he said this, which was so weird for me because every other guy used this against me. He said, Christy, like, I know you're trying to be strong right now, but like what I, I don't value your strength as weird as that sounds. I value your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities. And that's when I see like your heart the most. And I remember just being so confused, like, wow, like you, you actually think that's a good thing that I have weaknesses like he said he was afraid of my strengths because he knew mm, that it was intimidated, like, yeah. it was me trying to be strong and put up this yeah. front. And so I just remember being so confused and going to the Lord and just saying, okay, Lord, I, I know he's safe. And at this point, I know I can actually expose my heart. And guys, like, I feel like we jump into the love word really, really quickly. Mm. This man did not tell me he loved me at all, which was the best thing he could have ever done for me because my heart never had time to catch up with guys that would tell me immediately. He waited like, it was like nine months before mm-hmm. you ever told me that you loved me. And when you did, you made the moment like so special. And I remember for the first time being like, wow, this guy doesn't want what I can offer him. I'm not an object. I'm not somebody that he can just take advantage of. Like this guy wants my heart. And he like wanted to know who I was. And then he told me afterwards when he knew that he loved me, when he knew he wasn't going to go off and dump me and date somebody else, that's when he told me he loved me. And that was a promise in a way because he knew he wanted to marry me at that point. And so honestly, like that was probably the best thing that could have happened because again, I had time to finally get my heart there and know what I, what I wanted and what I needed. Yeah. 
So if you had to give any encouragement to a single mom or a single woman in general, what would you say kind of coming through the other side of that season and what you learn? Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like I learned like stumbling. Like this wasn't like, <laughs> oh my word, this was such a great experience. Like I had to learn through bad experiences. So I remember just doing again, doing the opposite of what I did with Davey in the beginning when I first was divorced, just kind of just dated whoever. Um, I wouldn't, one thing I would say though, during that time, I was very careful who I brought around my daughter. And I would say that Mm. I would encourage that more than anything else. Like it's not good for their hearts. They're too young to understand all these different men around you, even showing emotion with different men. um, It doesn't make any sense to them. And so I wouldn't hold hands with people in front of her. Um, I wouldn't show any emotion with them. And even with Davey, I told that, him that like you have to look like you're just a friend in front of my child like now that you're around her you're just a friend mm-hmm. um until she caught us kissing one day <laughs> but that's another, <laughs> another story, story that we're not time. yeah for another day but so i would say like just really protect your kids think of them before your own needs like emotional needs when it comes to that because their hearts and their minds can't understand that yeah. um, but again i stumbled through it and so i would just say rely on the lord during the whole process and just take your time like at the end of the day if you get married within a year or five years, it really doesn't matter. Like if your kids are going to be doing well and they're healthy, then take your time so you can know if the Lord is actually pointing mm-hmm. you in that direction. Mm-hmm. Man, we honestly, you know, I mean, you know, this Mel, we were just sitting here talking about our agenda for this particular podcast episode, and we did not plan on going into all of that. In fact, one of the most predominant questions that was asked in the, you know, Instagram Q and A, that sort of thing was Christy, what's your story? And although she didn't share all of her story just now, there's much more to be told and she will tell it when the time is right. Um, just right here in this moment, we're all sitting in this room. We felt like wow, this is just the Holy Spirit's doing something. And so what you need to know as a listener is that um, this is this podcast, we're just walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're answering and responding to what He's wanting us to speak into. While we may have a plan or agenda, we planned 15 minutes for our story time, and that <laughs> we totally exceeded that. So this will just be a longer episode. You guys stay tuned with us. We've got a lot more to come on this birthday episode. Um, Yeah, so grab your tissues. We're not done yet. (laughs) So, Davey, you guys have accomplished a lot in the last two years with Nothing is Wasted, and there's so much good stuff to come. So Mm -hmm. would you please share with us, tell me a little bit about the Nothing is Wasted monthly partner program. What's that all about? This is something that our team is super excited about because this is an opportunity for people to access even more great content that is helping them live, learn, and lead through pain. And so um, essentially what this is is a tiered program where we have a $5 a month partner tier, we have a $10 a month partner tier, and we have a $20 a month partner tier. And each tier gains access to different types of content. And so, for instance, your $5 a month partner tier, you gain access to a couple things. Um, We do a 20 to 25 minute bonus interview with some guests that you've already heard of. And this will be like a a major value adding type. We're just going to let them 
um, add a bunch of value, resource you. It's not going to be a necessarily a story interview. It's just going to be like, hey, here's the how-tos as you're walking through different things. This is going to be once a month. Um, also, in that $5 a month partner tier, you have a 5 to 10-minute audio teaching breakdown of every episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast from me. Just kind of an additional commentary, some things as we listen to those episodes, we reflect on and kind of teach some concepts from about five to 10 minutes. And um, and then as well, you can, you're going to be the first uh, on our email communications and our offers, products, events, bonus features, different um, things that we're rolling out. You'll be first in line for that communication. So that's our $5 a month partner tier. $10 a month partner tier, you're going to get the full videos of most of our podcast recordings. Now, this doesn't start until August because we have all these recordings that we didn't do video (laughs) of that we're rolling out. But starting in August, you'll get full videos of that. Also on the $10 a month partner tier, you get access to a 20-minute teaching video once a month where I'm just going to talk through some things that I'm learning along the journey. And so um, we're just going to try to help people continue to navigate their valleys through this teaching. So that's the $10 a month tier. And then the $20 a month partner tier, we're going to do a live Q&A, a live stream Q&A once a month. And finally, in the $20 a month partner tier, you're going to get access to discounts on our Nothing Is Wasted coaching, as well as um, associated events, different things that we're going to be rolling out here pretty soon. So it's really, really exciting, all the different things you get access to on these tiers. I love that. And so here's what here's what's really cool. On the $20 a month tier, you get access to the $10 and $5 a month tiers as well. Wee. $10 a month tier, you get access to, to the $5 a month tier as well. And what's really cool about this is all of these are tax-deductible donations. So you you are not just purchasing this tier because we're a not-for-profit, a 501c3. This is a $5 a month donation, $10 a month donation. So it's even more helpful when it comes to your own personal finances, as well as helping us as a ministry continue to push out this message of hope and healing to the world. And so I'm super excited about this because it's just an opportunity for us to engage with you guys even more, provide more helpful content for you. I love that. Something I'm really excited about is the live stream question and answer that you're going to be doing once a month. And that's going to begin on Wednesday, June 19th at 8 p.m. And you guys can continue to write and um, ask questions to Davey, and he's going to facilitate those. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So if you're listening to this and you're in your car and you're going, wait a minute, I didn't catch all of what you just said. If you just go to nothingiswasted.com slash partners, it's all up there. Nothingiswasted.com slash partners. You'll be able to see what kind of tiered offerings we have for you, whether it's a $5 a month partner that you want to become, $10 a month or $20 a month. But we'd love for you to engage with us even more. And we'd love to provide more helpful content for you. Also, another cool thing about this is while each one of these things will be releasing, for instance, monthly or weekly, you'll be able to have access to all of these if you are one of those tiered partners. So if you're on a $5 a month tiered partnership, you always have access to the 5 to 10 minute audio teaching. You always have access to those 20-minute bonus interviews, even though we're going to be releasing those successively as they come out. So just tons of good content for you to be able to access as you're trying to wake up every single day and you're navigating your valley. Another thing, Mel, that I'm super excited about that's going to be rolling out 
toward the beginning of July. We're not sure yet on the date of this. It really all depends on our new website. But once that gets rolled out, we're starting what's called community groups. And man, we've been talking about this for a while. In fact, we spent some time talking about it in Tara Lee Cobble's episode. This is the place where you're going to be able to connect with other people who are walking through similar trials as you. So it'll look very similar right now in this iteration to a forum Hmm. where you go and you click on the forum of the particular tragedy, trial, or transition that you're currently walking through. And right there, there'll be other people who are walking through that as well. The cool thing is, is if you are one of our monthly partners, you automatically get access to these community groups. The community groups are free. So you just go sign on. Um, and, and you can have conversations with other people. What we're hoping this will stir up is we're hoping that people will kind of find um, small groups in this, like a, like a refuge, a support group of people, and, and maybe even begin to form meetups, and they'll be able to help each other as they're navigating their valleys. Because this community thing is such an important thing when it comes to trying to walk through your valley. So community groups, monthly partner program, Tons of awesome stuff. Again, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash partners to figure out what kind of partner tier you want to sign on to. And you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups to enter in on some of those forums as well. Man, Davey, I'm excited about all that. I have not heard of anything like that before. I think that that is going to be so helpful and beneficial for so many people. And um, I just want to thank you again for you and Christy sharing your story. I loved it. I got choked up multiple times. Um, And now we're going to dive into the portion of um, our podcast where you guys send in questions via social media and email. And we kind of sorted through those, looked for the ones that had commonalities or were were repeatedly asked. And so we're going to answer some of those right now. Um, And I'm really excited to see what you guys have for us. Well, thanks for joining us on today's episode. We're going to jump into some more questions right now. Um, This is from someone who wrote in and said, I lost my sister two years ago to cancer. Her husband was wonderful to her as a husband and a caretaker in her last months. He got into a relationship about three months after she passed away. We've always been close, although I want happiness for him and the person he is in a relationship with is a good person. I struggle with life just moving on without my sister. Mm. How do you handle the same thing in terms of dealing with Amanda's family? How can I look at this differently? What do you think, Davey? This is a loaded question. First of all, um, I'm terribly sorry for your loss. Um, The the different um, elements of loss and how that person was related to you can have so many different nuances. And I think there is a level at which when you lose a sibling that it weighs, um, it sits as a gravity or heavier on you than um, in some ways than if you lose a spouse. And then in other ways, losing a spouse sits heavier and has a gravity that is not related to. So with that being said, every single person is going to handle their grief in a different way. And so um, it's so difficult to see somebody walking through grief in a way that's different than the way you're walking through grief. 
because you would you would think, okay, this is the way I'm interpreting what's going on with me. This is how I am processing this. This is how everybody should be interpreting or processing this. And that's not true. Um, there are folks who have who can get into a relationship um, just a couple months after losing a spouse, and it's great. It works out fine. It's fantastic. They're ready for it. And there are others who it takes years and years and years before they're ready for it. Can and you speak to us on how you knew you were ready to date? Yeah, that's after a, the loss of absolutely. your wife. Absolutely, that's a that's a great question because I know that we've got some questions that we received about that. I think ultimately, you know, I, so one of the things I heard said in the in the year in between losing Amanda and then starting to date uh, Christy, I guess it was a little more than a year that we actually started dating. Um, I guess one of the things that I was, that I was told is that oftentimes what you see is when someone starts dating again soon, it means they have, they had a very good experience in marriage, the value of the institution of marriage they hold Mm. in high regard. They recognize, wow, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not as great of a person by myself as I could be with this, with another person, because I've experienced it. With Amanda, I had experienced seven years of a really strong marriage. It was great. Um, And it wasn't to say that we didn't have our, you know, our times, our seasons where we had to work through things and all that. We certainly had that just like every great marriage, every strong marriage does. But I recognized that there was something that God had wired in her that, that complemented what he wired in me. And, um, we don't complete each other in marriage. I'm sorry, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> There's no, you complete that. That's not the case. God is the only one that can fully and finally satisfy us in that God-sized void in our hearts. And yet he gives us, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he gives us partnership, community uh, in the form of so many other people around us and this beautiful partnership called marriage that he calls many of us into. Mm. And so to, to, to put a time frame on when you're ready for that, I don't think that, that that time is necessarily the factor of that. Okay. I think what what is the biggest factor of that is is who you are becoming and developing into as a person. So how is your healing process? How's that journey going? Um, if it's after a tragedy, like are you are you being healed? There is a season where you have to um, reacquaint with who you are as a person in Christ without your spouse. There's got to be a season for that. Hmm. Um, it, there was a season for me where after I lost a man, I was like, I've got to figure out who, who is Davy and Jesus? Because for the past 10 years, it's been Davy and Amanda in Christ. Now that, that I have my own personal relationship with Jesus through all of that, but man, when you're married, you're soulmates, the two have become one. And so now it is just, it is split. So you're having to re-identify who you are in Christ. And, and yet, um, Time isn't necessarily the biggest factor in that. So healing process is a big thing. And then I would also answer that question in saying it's the same answer to the question in general, regardless of whether or not you've walked through some kind of a tragedy of losing a spouse, when do I know I'm ready? Well, you're ready when when you are becoming the person that God is calling you to become. So if our mindset is, okay, I need to go and look for a spouse, I need to go and, you know, um, try to pursue a spouse, and that takes precedence over pursuing Jesus, then we're not ready. We're ready, we're ready when God brings that person into our life. 
we're ready when um, we are. I love, I love one of the things that we used to tell teenagers when we were youth pastors. Amanda would sit down with girls and say, hey, run as hard as you can after Jesus. And then as you're running as hard as you can after Jesus, look to your right and look to your left. And whatever guy is next to you that's running and pursuing Jesus at that pace, then that might be the person that you're supposed to marry. Amen. That's because at good. the end of the day, it's all about pursuing after Jesus, not trying to pursue a spouse to fill some need, to make you less lonely, to try to medicate, to try to whatever it is that you're doing in that space in that season. You've got to get healing from your pursuit and your relationship with Jesus. You become ready by becoming the person that you're looking for is looking for, as we've talked about in another episode mm-hmm. previously. So, so the, yeah. the, the readiness has nothing to do with time. It has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus and then his timing in that process. Um, Mel, let me add this as well. In response to that, how did you know that you were ready? Um, one of the things I want to make clear is that you know you're ready to take on the responsibility of marriage in general when you're not looking for that person to fill something inside of you. So if you put that in the context of you know, healing after a loss, if I had approached any relationship, dating, Christy or whatever, hey, I want this to do something and fill something for me. I'm lonely, I'm hurting, I need a, a companion or a partner. I'm not ready because mm-hmm. what marriage is, across the board, no matter what your life situation is, is you giving 100%. So you have to be whole enough as a person to be able to approach that and go, okay, I'm going to love unconditionally. I'm going to give of myself no matter what. And this person is going to disappoint me and they're going to hurt me and they're going to touch some wounds inadvertently on, on in, in my soul that now I'm carrying some wounds around because I've gone through some really, really tragic things. And so they're going to inadvertently touch that. And I have to still cover that with grace, cover it with unconditional mm-hmm. love. And when, when that's the place that your heart is at, you're not going to be perfect by any means. But when your heart posture is there, where you know you're approaching that with, I'm going to give 100%, then I think you're ready. And that's whether you've walked through a tragedy or whether you haven't walked through a tragedy. Well, I can attest by viewing your guys' marriage that you guys walk that out really beautiful, beautifully. I've seen you both do that. Thanks. We uh, we don't get it right all the time, but we try. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> we try. Well, and then even a part of like the family. So we have been around a lot of people with loss in mm-hmm. some form or fashion, and then also with redemption and restoration too. And so moving forward, getting married again and everything and how the family has been able to heal and deal through mm-hmm. that. And honestly, it's really, no matter what timing I've noticed right. that for them, it could be two months, it could be three months, it could be 10 years. It is always hard in some way on the family. So right. I feel like, again, to answer your question, like you're not alone at all because right. a lot of people feel this way. That's the overarching theme. But again, I stepped into this as the outsider. I mm. stepped into it as the person that they were dating and then marrying. And so I felt this sensitivity towards the family. Like, I don't want to be the cause of your guys' grief. And I even actually stated that to Davey. Davey ended up telling Amanda's dad, Phil, that. So (laughs) Phil sat down. He's like the alpha male of the family. He's going to pull me aside and he's going to tell me. So he actually did. We were at the beach and he pulled me aside and said, Christy, like, Davey told me this and I just want you to know, like, you are not going to cause any more grief to us. This is all a part of our healing process. Mm. And this is what we all need. And so again, like no matter what, there's a process to heal and whatever next season is for whoever it is, it's going to, it's going to hurt. 
no matter yeah. what, no matter what time frame. And so I just love that he reassured me that way. But I'm still sensitive. And I think the thing is, I feel like the buyers have been amazing. Your family has been yeah. amazing, Davey. But I, they're still hurt. There has to be. I mean, now we're pregnant. And I mean, there, Amanda was pregnant when she passed away. Mm-hmm. And I still grieve little baby Evie. And yeah. um, just her birthday was recently. And I was grieving her around that time. And this blonde hair, blue-eyed child walked past me at a water park. And I thought could that have been Evie? Like, Mm. would that have looked like Evie? And so in the same way, like we all have to grieve, but we all grieve in different ways. And so there's no like, is this normal? Is this not? Is this healthy? There is is an aspect of, is is this healthy or not? But again, like grieve it. If you feel it, grieve it and feel it. And so like, again, there's no like, is is this okay or not? And and I I would say the thing that's really like helped to cultivate closeness within all of that and healing is to admit when you're grieving that. So for, you know, I mean, I have regular conversations with Amanda's family. We go and visit them regularly and we try to give each other updates. And, hey, where, where are we in this right now? What are some triggers that you've recently had? What are some pain points that we recently had? When we expose those things, we talk about those things, it, it causes a closeness. It causes a, we lean in with each other on those things, even if mm-hmm. it means like, hey, listen, it's, it's been really hard recently because we've been thinking about X, Y, and Z, and it got triggered by a post, an Instagram post that you did about whatever. I'm, I'm speaking completely hypothetical, but that kind of a admittance to that causes us to lean in closer to each other as a family, as opposed to just not even admitting it, not even talking about it, which builds walls up and begins to create a separation between families. And I think the way that you really keep those families tight, the way that you, um, in this situation where you're, you're watching your best friend's husband, um, so to speak, move on pretty quickly is if you have that relationship with that person, talk to that person about that and just say, hey, this has been hard. This is not your issue. This is, this is me. I'm dealing with this. I'm grieving through this, but I want to talk about this. I want to open this up, you know? Mm. Davey, Amanda's family, from everything that I've heard from you, they just seem incredible and um, have been so, you've been so blessed to have mm-hmm. them to walk through this with you and to love Christy and Natalia. Um, what would you say to someone that, does not have that. Yeah. No doubt we're in a very um, unique situation in that sense uh, because the buyer's family is one of a kind. And, um, you know, my encouragement to everybody would be as you're walking through trial as a family, you're walking through grief, take a page out of the buyer's notebook and being full of grace with each other. Um, but if you're in a situation where that's not the case and you're kind of on the receiving end of maybe some, um, some animosity or some, some bitterness, some projection, whatever it is, I would just say, and I would encourage you, you cannot control how other people respond in these situations. The only thing you can do is you can control how you respond in the situation. And you, although it may feel um, overwhelming when uh, someone responds in a certain way to you or someone's actions are not lining up with what you think that they should. Um, it becomes more enslaving for you to allow those to dictate how you're going to heal mm. in your healing journey. Um, the element, one of the, one of the things that helps people heal well is re- regaining a sense of control and agency 
So recognizing what are the things that are in your control? What are the things that are out of your control? And really being able to delineate those things really well. Mm. You cannot control the things that are out of your control. You can't control how someone else is going to respond to a certain situation. Had Amanda's family responded in a totally different way, I, I can't control that. I'm so grateful that they've responded in the way that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And within that, we all are still at a different place in our healing journey, all of us. So that to, there's a caveat there. No matter how awesome your family's going to be, you're, you're going to be at different places in your healing journey. But if you are in a situation where it is complete opposite of our situation, your family's not, then I would, I would encourage you, again, you control the thing you can control. And that is how you are healing and how your relationship with the Lord is looking through that. And there may be a lot of, you know, um, bitterness that you're going to have to flesh out with a counselor. You're going to have to talk with a trusted friend or advisor. There may be a lot of things that you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to find a place for you to, to vent that out. If, if that's not a safe place, your family's not. But I would say that, um, that, that you definitely have to recognize everybody's on a different, a different trajectory in their healing journey and you cannot superimpose your own healing journey into somebody else's healing journey. That's, mm. That can be really dangerous to say, well, to superimpose, this is what I'm going through, so this is what they should be going through as well at the same pace. Mm. Um, I, think the, I think one of the definitions of us being gracious in these moments is to offer someone else the space to heal at their own pace and to work through and walk through these things at their own pace. That's really good. Um, well, somebody else wrote in, they said, transitions are never easy. And over the last few years, and particularly in the last five months, you guys have been through several changes. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love that you guys shared your love story because we know that the end story is that there's a bun in the oven. Yeah, so it right. worked out yeah. well. <laughs> um, what spiritual disciplines have you found helpful in navigating this season? What mm. helped you to maintain a healthy perspective and good attitude? Well, first mm. of all, let me just say counseling is great. Counseling's great. Counseling yeah. is your friend. <laughs> but our counselor actually said that like most people in life and within a year experience about 10% of change. Like yeah. usually 90% is the same and usually 10% is where you're having transition. They're like, well, guys, it just seems like your life is actually the opposite, <laughs> that 90% has been transition and change for you and you have 10% of normalcy. <laughs> and so that's what we realized. It's yeah. been crazy. So yeah, we definitely can speak into transition. Well, our... Well, it's become our life verse, I think. I haven't really clarified this with you, but I feel like we've... Well, there I it feel is. like this is kind we'll of our life verse. It, our later. it was our verse for the year last year, Ezekiel forty-seven twelve. It feels like it's like, this is our mantra as okay. a family. And essentially what that says is that every month, their leaves will bear fruit. And their leaves, their leaves will be for healing. Um, uh, no, and I'm totally not, uh, that's not verbatim whatsoever, but that's the summary of what it is. And the point is, is that no matter what you go through, no matter what seasons you are in life, when we abide in Christ, we can produce fruit. Mm. And so the spiritual discipline, so to speak, I know that that word is just really, ah, oh, discipline, I don't like that word. We don't like that word in American culture. You know, it feels very off-putting, but... Um, Richard Foster wrote a book, a really good book called The Celebration of Discipline, where he talks about spiritual discipline. It's a fantastic book. But I think of discipline as the act of putting ourselves through small pain so that later we don't undergo really large pain, mm. right? So you, the discipline of working out or exercising cardiovascular health so that later you're not having a heart attack, 
you know, or that you're preventing that. Anything that you have discipline in, it's putting yourself through some small pain to prevent the large pain later. And so the disciplines are really just, I like to think of them as rhythms, as things that you're implementing in your life that are these spiritual rhythms that God says, hey, um, I want you to get on board with the things that I've already said I'm going to bless. And as you do that, you're going to walk in the flow of um, of, of my favor. Uh, you're going to walk in and favor doesn't mean you're not going to go through hardship. Jesus said, you're going to go through hardship. You're going to go through trial. You're going to go through transition, but in those things, you can still bear fruit. Abide in me, Jesus says, and you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Mm. And so if I overlay Jesus saying that in John 15, and then Ezekiel 47, 12, where in every month they bear fruit, I think, okay, no matter what, if I stay and remain connected to Jesus through reading God's word regularly and consistently, through being a part of connected to a local body of believers, being in small group and community, a biblical community, um, cultivating a, a prayer life, an active prayer life, some of these just like conventional, quote unquote, spiritual disciplines, you know, um, these things are, I mean, they stand the test of time. They're mm-hmm. the ways that we abide in Christ and we let him do his work through us. And we don't try to strive and do our own work. And we let him then produce the fruit inside of us. I heard this said the other day that you never hear an oak tree out there groaning, like an oak tree doesn't try. It doesn't strive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, boop, there's a fruit. You know what I mean? No, it just remains connected to the nutrients in the ground. Wait, does your oak tree produce fruit? <laughs> Doesn't an oak tree produce oh, acorns, okay, right? Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Which it's is fruit. fruit. It's it own, is a it's fruit. Okay, so apple tree, pear tree, whatever you want to do, whatever the type of fruit, whatever it's I producing. I just didn't know if your oak trees I produce know, something different than ours here in St. Louis. <laughs> Point is, you don't hear a tree, you don't hear them groaning. They just stay connected to the source of life, to the mm. nutrients, and a byproduct of that is fruit. And so I think the important thing is whatever your spiritual disciplines are, no matter what season you're in transition or not, you can bear fruit. But here's the coolest thing though. We actually were told that we were told this by someone else that an oak tree, actually its roots will not just extend down, but they extend to the left and to the right. Mm. And they actually intertwine with the other oak trees around it with its roots. Yeah. And they, so they no, borrow. Cool. Yes. And so again, but that's intentionality. That's like, and so for abiding in Jesus and abiding in his word, that's intentionality because Davy will wake up between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. just to get in the word, um, to get his day started. And literally when you wake up, you can see him on his little area, in his little area, sitting down with his cup of coffee, reading the word. And again, like even for me now being pregnant, it's exhausting. I want to mm-hmm. sleep. I don't want... To, I. I don't want to get up. I don't want, I want to sleep until I need to wake up. But at this point, I've had to set an alarm now so I can get in the word before my kids are awake, needing breakfast, needing me. And it takes a lot of intentionality, even community. I mean, one of the transitions we've had was that Mm -hmm. Resonate now has closed. So just being intentional with um, the people that were around and getting community. It's so easy to not spend time with believers because right. now we're not in that group. We're not in that church. We are church shopping, so we're not around a lot of believers, but we still have our small group that we meet with regularly. Yeah. But again, we could have easily said, no, we don't need to in the season. We need a season of rest, but we don't. And so it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of 
just setting our priorities. I think that's the biggest thing. If you set a priority of God is first, then you're going to make him first and you're going to have that discipline. But life takes over. Honestly, it is so easy to justify not getting time in the word or not, you know, just so many different things of not spending time with the Lord. But honestly, we've made it a thing like we cannot not spend time with the Lord. So it sounds like what I'm hearing for you, it's not even just what are the spiritual disciplines, it's the intentionality of just walking those out and making sure they're in your daily rhythms. Yeah, it's not about like checking off a list. You know, it's not like this, Mm -hmm. oh, check, did that, oh, check, did that, you know, so that we accomplish something. It's about abiding. It's about being in step with the Spirit. And and those are just um, ways that it catalyzes our relationship with the Lord, right? So it's like, okay, how do I hear from God? I, I read God's Word, you know? How do I commune with God? How do I get discernment and direction from Him? I, I, I spend time in prayer, you know, talking to Him. And, and we actually take an entire session, Mel, in that Pain of Purpose video course where we talk about this exact thing, mm. the spiritual rhythms. I don't like calling them disciplines because I feel like that's such a checklist type thing. Right. The spiritual rhythms. How do we step in the flow of what God is doing so that out of our lives, in and through our lives, um, we can bear fruit in any season. That's good. That's good. Um, well, if it's okay with you guys, we can move on to the next yeah. question. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody wrote in, they said, is it considered having lack of faith to prepare for a season of battle that you haven't even faced yet? It seems as if life is being in a particular season, coming out of one or about to go in one. Do you think it can be seen as having lack of faith to try and prepare your mind for mm. hard seasons before they even arise? You know, wow. Davey and I, <laughs> we used to talk about this a lot yeah. because... For me, it was more of a defense mechanism, a wall, a wall of protection. Mm. I heard it said by Andrew Bauman, he was on one of um, our episodes, that basically as a child, we have a lot of wounds that happen. So we learn how to put on all of this armor and all this protection. So we live the rest of our lives with that same shield and with that same protection because it worked in that time and it was actually needed in that time. Yeah. Like as a kid, you emotionally can't handle some things. So if you have an abusive parent or abusive person in your life, that's what you need. You need that armor to protect yourself. But there's a season in your life where actually that armor is not needed. You don't have yeah. that abusive person in your life, but you're still holding on to it and you're protecting yourself from the next thing that it might come its way. But again, you're not in battle. So why are you having that fear and that anxiety? And so Davey and I used to say like, well, what does that look like? Like, how can I take that armor off and mm. not prevent something bad happening to me, not prevent some kind of wound happening to me. And so Davey actually has some great insight on that. So I'll let him answer the rest of that. If I'm remembering the conversation correctly, what I said was it's going to be impossible for you to prevent hurt. We're going to experience hurt. Um, You're going to experience relational hurt in this world. And yet we're still, we still have to open ourselves up and invest in people because the only way that you have rich relationships is by investing in people. So we actually cause what we're trying to prevent. If we don't invest in people, we're trying to prevent from being hurt. Uh, and so we don't invest in people or we don't open ourselves up to people. And then we get hurt because we're calloused. Hmm. So you can't prevent that. In fact, Jesus invested in Judas, gave him the responsibility of the money, knowing that he was going to betray him. And yet he still invested in him. 
And another thing you mentioned too is that if you always just protect and protect, it's kind of like you're just going through life as like linear. Yeah. Like you're not really ex- like experiencing those high highs. No, you're not experiencing those low lows of like right. the attacks and the hurts and everything because you're preventing it, but you're not going to let yourself even feel those high you, highs. You get numb it. to all of those mm-hmm. things. And, and the way I would answer your question is I don't think it's a lack of faith to prepare for a season of battle. I think it's actually taking Jesus at his word. We say oftentimes, prepare for the trial or train for the trial that you're not yet in. Now, so this is this is a little bit different than what we were just talking about. This is not necessarily putting guards or calluses up around your heart so that you can't, um, you know, uh, work through, process through, heal through emotions. That's something totally different. This is a it sounds like you're asking this, is it, is it a lack of faith to, to ready yourself for some trial that you're going to inevitably encounter? You're, you're going to encounter trials. This is taking Jesus at his word. This actually demonstrates a tremendous amount of faith because you may not be in trial right now, but Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have sorrow. You will. This is a promise of Jesus. And then he backs it up right away and says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So you don't have to be over, overcome by the world. I overcome the world if you remain in me and you abide in me and you, you can have hope in the midst of your hurt. And so it's really important, I believe, to train for and prepare and act as if, hey, I know I'm going to experience trial. There's three types of people in this world. People who are currently going through a valley, people who are coming up out of a valley, or people who are heading into a valley. The common denominator of life is pain. Trial, tragedy, and transition, we're all going to deal with it. I would much rather deal with it following the good shepherd who's leading me through the valley of death, valley of the shadow of death, rather than trying to navigate it myself. Okay, so it's a tremendous amount of faith to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and set these almost preventive measures in my life. I'm going to set these things up in my life, these spiritual rhythms, the disciplines, whatever you want to call them. I'm going to make sure I have good, strong community. I'm going to make sure I'm in God's word. I'm going to make sure I'm ready for battle. I've got the armor of God ready to go. So whenever I hit this trial, it's going to be muscle memory for me to walk through this really well. And that's what faith is all about. Faith is a muscle. You exercise it, you put it under duress. And then when it's time to go into battle, it's muscle memory. Mm, that's great. That's awesome. Um. Somebody wrote in, they want to know, who was your favorite person to interview and what interview has impacted you the most? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, Chris, do you know? Do you know what your favorite one was? Man, I actually, I love, well, I hate saying I loved a lot of them. Yeah, they are all so amazing. I feel like the Stumps had just great wisdom. Kathy and Gary Stumps. You talk about their Um, interview a lot. I love the Brookers just because we have like a relationship outside Mm -hmm. of the podcast. And so Brittany will just call me anytime I need encouragement. She sends me flowers anytime I need encouragement. Like that Uh girl is awesome, but she just gets it. Yeah. And so just hearing about blending families. So I think it's more of just like personally, like, those are two couples that were blending families and just gleaning off of their experiences yeah. and their wisdom. And someone even mentioned it's like, you know, the stumps kind of are like kind of past that season of blending families and doing it well. But the Brookers are kind of like in the middle of it, right mm. in the middle of it. And so they're suffering well as they're going along yeah. and learning well as they're going along. And so it's just been, it's been great to glean off of them. What about you, Davey? 
Man, I think this is an unfair question. I like <laughs> it's like impossible to decide a favorite, but I think the one that impacted me the most or that I was most moved by uh was Johnny Erickson Tata. Oh. I mean, and and that really is just because she's been a hero of mine and I couldn't believe that I had the honor of being able to have a conversation with her. And uh I mean, I was just my my eyes were welled up with tears the entire conversation. <laughs> I didn't know how to ask any questions. I was completely dumbfounded. And I'm so glad that she just spewed amazing biblical richness the entire mm. time. And so I think that was the one that Im- impacted me most profoundly. Just felt like this big full circle thing for me. So whether, whether it was just an interview just for me, a little hug from God personally, or and I know it impacted so many other people. But every guest that we've had has, has been so good. And that's what I love about what God does is that He puts these, um, these, these, I mean, he, he puts these people in our path. We get the opportunity to interview their story. We get to draw from their wisdom and we get to borrow their faith. And it's just, and it's, it's an incredible journey. So all of you guys who we've interviewed, all of you listeners, we're so thankful that mm-hmm. we get to do this with you guys. I love that. Well, maybe we can end on this note. What made you guys start the Nothing Is Wasted page? Oh, okay. That's a good one. That's a great um, question. Well, you know, I mean, we the, the podcast has been going for two years now. And uh, we felt like that the podcast has, has accomplished one aspect of what we would ultimately, you know, want to see for people's lives. It has provided a ton of inspiration for people. And I was speaking at a church a couple of weeks ago. I tell our team this because I keep trying to remind our team, this is why we do what, we do, what we're doing. But um, this lady came up to the care pastor of that church and said, man, that was really inspirational, but what do I do next? And so what we are hoping that, that the Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, the, the online platform that we're building, the things that we're rolling out here in the next few weeks and few months what we're hoping that does is it takes people from inspiration to transformation. Because mm. what we desire for you as a listener is that you're not just you know, inspired by this, but you're being transformed as Romans 12, one and two says, that God uses this trial, tragedy, or transition that, that you're going through in your life and you allow him to take that to transform you. Because again, we've said this before, if you don't, tra- if you don't let God transform your hurt, you're gonna transfer it onto somebody else. And you're going to be the cause of hurt for somebody else. You're going to inflict it on somebody else, whether you realize it or not. So we want this to be a transformative thing for you. So all the things we're implementing, this pain to purpose video course, the community groups, all the different things that we're rolling out over the next couple of weeks and couple of months, this is for your transformation. And that's what we hope to accomplish in this nothingiswasted.com. Uh, and the new website's going to look beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It should be done by the end of June, beginning of July. Be so it's going to be awesome. Well, Davey, this has been awesome. I really feel like we need to do another Q&A before Nothing is Wasted third too. birthday. Yeah, I do <laughs> too. Because there's more that I want to know. It's a lot of so, fun. I really appreciate you guys sharing your story and answering these great questions. Well, thanks, thanks for, for moderating, having us. Mel. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mel, we have, I, I don't know if you can believe this or not, even more that we're unveiling. Like, 
this episode's like the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's like Oprah's favorite thing, <laughs> isn't it? You get a car. You, you get, get a car. <laughs> you get a car. Except we don't have cars because we're on a budget, people. <laughs> that's that's so true. That's so true. No, there's so many more things that we're full, that we're rolling out, and um, I, we'll say this again: that if you want to be first in line on these communication pieces as we're rolling things out, go and join our email subscription list. And let me tell you why. If you join our email subscri- subscription list. That's a tough word, isn't it? It Sub- is. Subscription. subscription. Say that in your car right now. Say that 10 times fast. Pause this podcast. Say it 10 times fast. I can assure you it's really hard. I said it <laughs> one time and did not successfully do it. Um, but if you sign up <laughs> with our email subscription, you will get Davey's ebook, Thriving in Trial, for free. That's right. That's a That's a... That took me Deal. a while to write. <laughs> I'm almost like hurting inside giving that away for free. It wasn't very much anyway. It was like $4.99. So it's not a huge deal. But I want you to have this because I want you to be able to navigate your pain really well. So go join our subscription list because we've got some cool things that we're unveiling. One of those things, Mel, I have been long anticipating. We've been writing this content, curating this content for a long time. And we are coming out with what we're calling the Pain to Purpose video course. The Pain to Purpose video course. And this is something I'm super excited about because this is actually much of the content that we've been taking our coaching clients through and we've been test driving it with them. Now we're rolling it out to where everybody can have access to it. And it's going to be releasing July 14th. Okay. July fourteenth well, is when we're releasing this. I've previewed some of this content. It is gold. It is so good. So, Davey, tell me the deets about it. How much does it cost? When can I get it? Well, yeah. So we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We're going to be doing our first mini series where we're going to be talking about each one of these course these course sessions or waypoints, as I call it. The thing that I find is that many people get stuck in their valley. And they don't know how to navigate it. And we have taken a ton of time to curate the 10 waypoints that I believe every single person walks through if they're going to walk through their valley. The only way out of a valley is through it. You have to walk through it. And the only way to walk through it well is by following after Jesus. The hard part is to know exactly what Jesus is telling you Mm -hmm. in the valley because you're so confused. You're so disoriented oftentimes when you've walked through trial or tragedy. And so what we've done is we've taken these 10 waypoints, we've put it into a course for you, and um, it is our, our way of trying to guide you through this so that you can walk well in your valley. So this is gonna release July 14th. It's $99, but between now, which is the release of this podcast, June 6th, and July 14th, we are offering a pre-release discount if you go and pre-order this. Pre-release discount. Mel, that is, we're like slashing this thing in half. Seriously, that's 50% off. Right, $49, whereas the price regularly would be $99. So between now and July 14th, this is available to you for $49. Now, you won't actually get access up to it until July 14th. It's not releasing till then. But if you go and order it now, you can get a pretty much 50% discount. Yeah, early bird discount. It's more than 50%. Is it? Well, it's just about. 49 to 99 Yeah. $49. And so where you go for that is mypaintopurposeplan.com. Mypaintopurposeplan.com. 
and you can go ahead and pre-order your copy of this. This is something that I believe people are going to start using as small groups. In fact, we've got several, I've talked to several pastors who are like, hey, we want to use this as small group material. Um, so I'm super excited about this uh, rolling out. Me too. Me yeah. too. Um, Davey, tell me what else is going on with you, your family, the future of the Nothing is Wasted, anything else big happening? Yeah. So um, we have some big things happening later this year. Um, one of those things is um, Amanda's trial. Uh, it's been pushed back over and over and over and over. Um, in fact, I think the very first trial date that was ever set was at the end of 2016. Oh, wow. So here we are coming up on the end of 2019. You know, we're smack dab in the middle of it, but the trial's not going to be until closer to the end of it. And, um, and, and we now have what they're telling us is an official trial date. Now, again, this is always subject to change. Um, but I will say that m- many of the reasons that it's been pushed back have been good reasons, reasons that are right in line with the process of justice. Although if I'm speaking frankly and vulnerably, it has been frustrating for, for all of us as a family. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me the other day, do you feel like this is going to give you closure? And um, one of the things that the folks, you know, the prosecutors, the, um, the advocates that are assigned to our family, one of the things that they advised us is, is to not look to this trial process as something that's going to give us closure because they see families do this over and over and over where they're looking to this and they get to the end of it. It doesn't provide the closure that they want. I believe Jesus gives us closure. Mm. Now we're never fully and finally going to have closure until we step over on the other side of eternity. And he sets all this, right? He wipes away every tear. He makes everything. Tim Keller says he makes everything that was wrong untrue. Think about that. So he doesn't just set things right. He makes everything that was wrong in this world untrue. That there is not just consolation for our losses when we step over into eternity um, in heaven with Jesus. There is full restoration. That's so powerful. And so the trial is not going to give us that. We know that. There's something much deeper on a different paradigm that's going to give us quote unquote closure. And so we've been working and doing the hard work over the past few years to... to um, to, to find that closure in the person of Jesus. But what the trial I think is going to do is it's, it's right now this constant looming thing out in front of us. It's another just step in this process. Hmm. And so that trial date is set for September 9th. Those of you guys who have been on this journey with us for a long time, you've been praying for us, you've been following, um, we would covet your prayers. That's going to be a very difficult week. They're saying that the trial is going to last a week. It might trickle hmm. over into the following Monday. But that season is going to be really tough for us as a family. Mm. I know how much energy it took out of me just to sit in a couple of the hearings. Um, Mel, I walked out of a 30-minute hearing feeling Mm. like I had just run a marathon. Mm. I mean, I was emotionally, physically exhausted. So an entire week of it, um, I will have to testify. Um, And so that if you can be praying for me, we'll continue to keep you guys updated in this as we get closer to it. Um, but we would just cover your prayers as yeah. we're preparing ourselves for that. Um, and so once the trial's done with, we're going to give a season, couple months of some breath. And we're still waiting to hear back from the publishers on when exactly we're going to release the book, whether it's going to be the very end of this year, November or so of 2019, 
or the very beginning of 2020. So we'll definitely let you guys know that as soon as we hear back from our publishers. Um, I know many of you guys have been asking, when is the book going to be released? When is the book going to be released? Again, it's held up in the judicial process. The very first chapter of this book, I lay out some um, an account of, of me walking in to find Amanda. And so that... Um, that manuscript has been tendered by the court as evidence. Um, and so it's something that it's a weird process in the judicial system that if a witness documents anything, it needs to be tendered to the court as evidence. So mm-hmm. it's being held up in that process. As soon as that process is over with, then we'll be able to release the book. And I'm trusting that it's God's timing. Yeah. That um, sometimes we ask ourselves the question like, man, God, why did you have us write this so early, why did, you know, why was this process? I mean, and he did, like he laid out that publishing process for us. We didn't have to ask for it. He just laid it out. And um, what I'm sensing is that um, when I wrote it and when it's going to be released, there's a perfect crossroads there of when people need to read it and their, and their exact moment that they need to read it. Mm. And so I'm just praying that God's providence is all over. And I know it is all over the timing of this for you as the listener, for you as the hopefully eventual eventual reader, and so that it can impact people in the midst of their um, toughest trials that they're walking through. So, Thanks, Davey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for the update. And we will definitely be praying for you and your family as you walk through this season. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Mel, it's been awesome to have you here for the two-year birthday I have loved it. It's been so great. This has been so good. We're going to have to do this in person a lot more often. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Oh, man. And you also brought your dad up here. I know. It's good to have Mark up here in the room with us. (laughs) So great. It was so fun. I love it. Well, thanks so much for... For being the host, uh, even though you took over, okay. For being the host, you're the you're one that brought host. you're the one that brought on an eight wing seven enneagram onto <laughs> you your show. <laughs> you take control. All of the people on our team, it seemed like, are eights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, We've we know how to party. Eights. So that's right. You guys are eights with a seven wing. You know how to party. You know how to take charge. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Davey. Hey, thank you guys for joining us for this episode. If you need to access any information that we shared in this episode, just go to this episode page. And we'll have it all there for you. Happy birthday, Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this community. We're so excited for the next couple of weeks with you. And we're excited about this next episode. So take a listen to this clip for my interview with Tim and Denise Harlow. I tell this story a lot because it wasn't it wasn't out of the pain. It was out of the good. It was out of the wow. hair on fire. It was, I mean, I went through, we went through 12 years of getting the church relocated, going through the transition. Yeah. There were a lot of times when, you know, I wanted to throw in the towel. I could show you the letters that I wrote to friends saying, is there another church out there wow. that I can go to? You know, I mean, I went, I went through those things, but the real butt kicker was after we relocated after and and we went from 600 to 1500 like instantly when yeah. we relocated and i was working on my doctoral dissertation at the same time my kids are are you know young and that growing still in that i think our oldest was in high school at that point and i and i had been to our, you know our convention i'd been to this convention and every, you know hey every, how's it going and i told everybody I, I was i was great in july and i was great in july and I, and like wow. 2 weeks later 
I got had one of those moments where I was getting ready to come out on Saturday night and preach, and I I I literally thought about turning around and walking out the other way, wow. and and it. it I, I got through it. I mean, I can gut stuff out pretty well. It's my personality. Yeah. But I knew I was in trouble. I knew that something weird was going on. Mm. And it just so happened that that next week I was scheduled to go out to California and hang out with some church friends, some pastor friends of mine, and John Walker, uh, this huh. great pastor uh, to pastors, you know, yeah. this counselor to pastor that we know. And... Um, I went on this thing, and it was actually a whitewater rafting adventure. We went and did the American River, where they discovered gold, and it was so great because I was outside, and and I and and John was helping me, and we didn't even know each other at that point, but he was helping me. You know, since then I've, I've basically built a wing on the Blessing Ranch as yeah. much as he's helped me with with what I've gone through. But um, I got had this moment, like this spiritual moment, where I'm out in the in the fields of California, and I'm looking at. At these two trees, and one of them is green and vibrant, but smaller, and it's down in the valley of this place where I'm looking, and another one is bigger, um, but it's dying, mm. and it's coming up out of a of a rock formation that's up on the side of the hill, and God just very plainly said, um, "Hey, knucklehead, what, which one of those trees do you think you are?" <laughs> 